so funny. Every time I tell people from America I'm from Canada, especially on stage, immediately, hey, how's it going, Harry? You want a war? Or do you want to just give me a war? There's a new NBA champion, and it's a team from Toronto, Canada. This is the Pro Shooter Masala Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to episode eight of Prosciutto Masala. I'm very excited today because I got a good buddy of mine uh, and fellow business owner, Jerry B. Uh, Jerry's probably been a friend of mine for probably probably eight years or so now. Uh, we've known each other for a while. A yeah, Almost crazy, a man. Aquarius, my Aquarius brother. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we pre- previously ran uh, kind of a web design and online marketing business together. When I was, I left the newspaper, we were doing a bunch of stuff. Uh, currently, Jerry runs a successful online reputation management company uh, called RepHaven and is an expert in online marketing, SEO, and, and crypto. So uh, thank you, Jerry, for being here, man. I appreciate it. I'm excited to, that we could set this up. Thank you. I greatly appreciate your time. And to be honest, I've been on very, very few uh, podcasts, so I'm probably even more excited than you, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, this is a small, like I just started this and you know what, I'm trying to grow. It's kind of fun and I just like talking. The The main thing of the podcast for me, I don't know if you know why I called it Prosciutto Masala is because uh, yeah. I have a buddy, an Indian buddy I went to high school with. And yes. we started together. He kind of stepped back because he's got a kid now. So he couldn't, he's not as available to do recordings and all that. But he's mm-hmm. like, dude, he's like, you're Italian. I'm Indian. So let's call it prosciutto masala. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> perfect, That's right? Perfect. And That's it's just perfect. both like like interviewing other Canadians and trying to keep it as Canadian content as possible because there's so much like American stuff out there, which is great. But it's nice yes. to kind of focus on Canadian centric stuff. You know what I mean? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's genius. So, uh, like yeah, tell tell everybody a bit about, I guess, your lineage, Jer, as like career-wise, like you kind of, you know, I know you were in the the, oh, wow. in the newspaper business before too, and then you kind of went off on your oh, own wow. and, and kind of where you are now. Okay, okay. Actually, that's a good question. Okay. So let's start off by, okay, so my career, I guess my career life, which was nine to five, um, started off uh, in sales. So I did sales for uh, some large companies. One I work, I do sales. I did sales for um, RBC. I worked okay. in a call center. Worked in a call center, and um, I worked there for I don't know about six or seven years. So I would just work on the work on the phones, and I would speak to to many clients, um, trying to sell or or and upsell them on. Um, on uh, borrowing products like, you know, GICs and, you know, credit cards, et cetera, and just speak okay. about their banking needs. Um, I also worked uh, for the city newspaper, which was in Mississauga, the Mississauga News. I also did sales for them. Um, I moved on. I did a little bit, a stint for Oracle. I worked for Oracle as well. Oh, cool. Okay. Earth That's a database. software company, right? Yeah. The software yeah, yeah. database company. Yeah, I worked mm-hmm. for them. It was just, it was under a year. I didn't work for them for very long. I didn't really enjoy my tenor there, but um, I did sales for them. I also did sales for Modus. It was another, they, they're listed on the stock exchange. It was um, IT recruitment. I was basically an IT recruiter. Now, mm-hmm. I didn't work in those companies in that exact order that I mentioned, mm-hmm. um, but the majority of my career life was in sales. But my hobby was always computers, always. Uh, since I was a very a young kid, 
I, I'll mention some computers you probably have never heard about. Uh, my first computer was a VIC-20. <laughs> I had an, what's called an Apple II, Apple II Plus. Okay. Um, I migrated over to, I, what was it? Uh, oh, Amiga. This computer called an Amiga. I think it was Amiga okay, 1000. Yeah, yeah. So I had, and then I built my own PC. So I've always uh, grew up with computers uh, from a very early age. Uh, my interest then uh, organically moved towards web development because when the when the internet popped up on the scene, you know the internet it was the information highway. You know people were always you know you, you would do searches online for various topics. And me being very inquisitive, I do searches for all kinds of various topics. But I always, I was always interested and curious as to how websites were created. So it was my hobby um, in the evenings, like typically after you know I would work mm -hmm. uh, my job. I'd come home and on my computer, I, I would actually try to you know build like build websites. Uh, I know. I know. Back in the day when I was working for Mississauga News, um, after uh, working my shift before going home, I'd go to the store called Chapters. Mm -hmm. uh, Chapters had the latest books on uh, web development, so I'd basically just sit there in Chapters and go through the various books and uh, take key pieces of information, in, uh, like in web development books, and write them out. And then when I'd go home, I'd, I'd implement and practice them. For instance, That's awesome. how to use, yeah, like how to, how to use FTP, um, file transfer protocol. So how mm -hmm. to basically take what you've created in HTML, let's say, piece of code um, on your computer and how to now transfer that up to a, a hosting server. Like I would learn how to do that. Uh, so I would teach myself. Uh, I used to say from University of Chapters. That's basically mm -hmm. how I taught myself uh, web design. After learning how to create websites, then I was curious as to why certain websites rank higher on searches. And all the websites that I that I would create for myself, they would never rank. So I would never see them um, in a Google search. Uh, sorry, back then I wasn't using Google. Back in the day, Alta Vista, Yahoo. Ask Jeeves. You remember Ask Jeeves? Yes, that was very <laughs> hot as well. So these yeah. search engines used to be paramount. They used to be the number one search engines. Okay, AltaVista was my was my uh, favorite. Oh yeah, and Metacrawler. Now, mm -hmm. Google. I remember when when Google's name was out there. We, we used to my friends and I used to joke about that. Like we would never use Google. We thought the name was stupid, and we never really never used that search engine. Mm -hmm. But that's what got me interested and. Uh, curious about SEO. I didn't know the term back then. I don't even know if the term was existent back then, but that's how I started to learn about search engine optimization because it was my goal to now have the websites I create, have them get and gain traffic. That was like the main, um, that was my main goal. I was never mm -hmm. like a great, you know, web developer. I would just do it as a hobby. But trying to get traffic and get eyeballs on the websites were, were mm -hmm. my were my um, was like my goal at the time. So that's when I I taught myself SEO. Oh, and I forgot to mention I was also I won't give out my name, but I was a very active contributor to Black Hat World. So Black Hat World is basically a, a very very extensive forum of 
all kinds of, uh, let's say, uh, digital marketers and um, SEO professionals or just just hobbyists, okay, who mm. go there to discuss how to all kinds of things. So you'd have white hat SEO, black hat SEO, you'd have lead generation, all kinds of it. And some of the tactics there would be, you know, they, they wouldn't be, they wouldn't follow, um, you know, Google's uh, procedures today. Like they were, they were, they were black hat. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, but I was an active contributor uh, to black hat world for a very long time. And so I picked up a lot of knowledge, uh, just learning from other contributors there. Um, yeah. So that's basically <laughs> the lineage of, of, you know, how I, how I started. That's like, you know, I wonder if I was, I was thinking back to it. I wonder if we were at the Mississauga news at the same time. I think you were probably there a bit before me. Cause I was in advertising was sales there. Yeah. 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 It's funny how we came full back full circle. Right. And then we, you know, That's kind right. of, uh, it's, it's especially in Mississauga, you grew up a kind of Mississauga, you live you know, not too far away. It's, it's sick That's when, right. uh, how small a world is. That's right. Now, That's right. The, the next question I have for you regarding, um, like, like you, you mentioned black hat and white hat. I think that's very interesting because for me, I know a little bit about it, but what, in your opinion, is there one that's better to use techniques than the other, or there is a time and place for white hat? There's a time and place for black hat. I think, uh, it's, it's an interesting topic cause it's kind of like, I think a lot of people don't okay. know much about that, that. Okay. So this is, this is very interesting. Um, <laughs> Black hat is okay. So the term, uh, the definition, okay, in my opinion, is basically uh, black hat is cheating. Okay, so it's cheating your way. It's like a shortcut, kind of. It yeah, it it, it yeah. is a shortcut, and it is it it is basically um, using whatever methods, okay, um, to get your website ranked, okay, for for a for a search query in a search on a search engine. So despite like, regardless of what search engine it is. Mm -hmm. um, so you'd a, you must ask yourself, like, what do you mean? Like what techniques are there? Okay, there's a lot of techniques. For instance, a popular technique uh, would be let's say doing what's called a, a 301 redirect, it means taking in uh, one domain that ranks high with uh, super high domain authority, and then redirecting that entire domain to a new domain, which may be the website that you want to rank highly. And then mm. in that case, you want to pick up a 301 uh, domain or use a 301 a domain that has a related, like you, that has a related topic. That That's just one, that's just one, one technique. So for um, example, say you wanted to like, say I'm the crazy example, like the Toronto Raptors. So say raptors.com is like the Toronto Raptors official website. Maybe you buy the domain Raptors dot ca or dot io or no, something that would and then be kind of called, that's no? kind of, that we call that cyber squatting that that's if you purchase a, a related domain that's actually trying to to rank high for that keyword oh, okay. okay it means like that okay let's say you wanted to rank a website for basketball okay so for the keyword term i don't know toronto raptors mm -hmm. um so what you would want to do if you'd want to rank for that that's a very popular uh, keyword search. Obviously, there's mm -hmm. a lot of people who would, a lot of sports fans who would search for Raptors. So in that case, what what I would do is um, I would look for expired domains that are basketball related. Okay, mm. so there are various websites that you can use uh, to look for these these uh, these terms or or these websites. And what you do is you pick up an expired because not everybody 
renews their domain. Sometimes they'll and, and sorry, files. why expired versus just a new one? Because it already has authority in it. Is that why? Okay, ex exactly. Because what mm -hmm. happens is if it's an older website that already existed. So let's say there was another basketball site that someone ran from nineteen. 97 uh, to smart. 2000 to 2020 and decided to just let it go. So that smart. website was completely dedicated to, let's say basketball or mm. sports, basketball, sports, etc. Mm -hmm. So what I would do is pick up that domain because there is all, there is already a backlink profile. There's a history to that domain. So if we, if we were to go look at the backlinks for that domain, they're already existent. There's going to be a whole bunch of them that are already there. And because of that, there's going to be some domain authority to that actual domain. So what mm. I would do is pick it up because it's expired. Because obviously, if mm. it was owned by somebody, you couldn't pick it up. You'd have to make an offer to them. Mm. So I would pick up that domain. And how would I how would I check if those backlinks are legit or, are they, or if they are uh, related? The way I would do that is I would first go to uh, archive. It's, it's basically, it's way back time machine. So you can go back, you can look at the history of a website by using, I believe it's archive.org. Okay. Type in that domain, that expired domain. And then now I can look at its history and I could see screenshots of that website. Now that if I, if I find out that looking through the past, that it was always basketball related and it wasn't spammy. Okay. It was legitimate. Then I would look at its domain authority. I would test that out and see see what that would be. And if it looked all legit to me, then I would purchase the domain. The domain would cost nothing, like ten dollars. I would build a basketball website, but that's very, uh, very, I would say, very raw. Like it just has a homepage, about services page, and contact page, and a privacy. Okay. That's it. Have that index, so it's very simple. And then after it's indexed, then I would do what's called the 301, the 301 redirect. Mm -hmm. I would now redirect that to the actual website that I want to rank. So I'm not going gotcha. to use that expired. I'm not going to use that expired domain. I'm just going to use that expired domain for for domain authority or just power. Now, interesting. That is one. That is just one example. One of hundreds of examples of of a black hat system okay to, to to rank your website you can use many but what i would do and uh, just before this leaves my mind i don't want to forget mm -hmm. when you're trying to rank your uh your business or just rank a website for a new keyword term what you want to all what you want to basically do is is have a white hat website and a black hat website and what i mean by uh, white hat website is one that's legitimate that you're not going to mess around and do you know you're not going to use all these 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 uh these shady techniques to rank what you will do is you will have that that main website okay and you would treat that you would treat that properly okay you treat it or like organically you wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't do any like black hat tests with it like anything mm -hmm. that's shady a black hat websites those are testing grounds, okay? So you purchase like maybe one, two, or three different domains, and you'll use various techniques to try and rank that website. So with Black Hat websites, they're always testing websites. You're always using them to test. Hmm. And that is basically how you end up finding, finding what technique works best. 
you could read a technique, for instance, let's say from Black Hat World, etc. There's like there's thousands and thousands, thousands of posters. It doesn't mean that the that the technique that you're reading will actually work for your niche. So you have to do the testing yourself. So in order to every niche test, might be a little bit different then. Oh yeah, it's always different. Some keywords in Google are are extremely difficult and Believe it or not, there's some keywords that are monitored by human eyes. They're not all, um, I would say, you know, it's not all algorithmic. Algorithm, gotcha. Yeah, there, there are. Like, like, for instance, if you were trying to rank for something that's pharmaceutical or insurance or yeah, Something that's like finance, a multi-million dollar industry, right? Oh, huge, bigger, yeah. billions. So that's, yeah. so Google will obviously have eyeballs on specific, you know, terms so interesting yeah it's a diverse topic but with black hat seo you want you want to always be testing there's you should always be testing testing domains testing different um techniques and that's how you come up with a strategy that's very sound so yeah interesting and, and white hat would be like what's an example then of like white hat just kind of following the guidelines from google like you're, getting you're, reviews yeah, like for, for my site and stuff for example like i know i try to always get positive reviews or get backlinks okay. or right <laughs> no no that's correct so that is all correct so when you do your white hat your website okay whatever is your whatever's paying your the you know making your bread and butter okay mm -hmm. you want to treat that website by following all the uh, terms of service that's basically what it is so whatever okay. google's terms of service is you want to always follow that and not break those rules. So, mm -hmm. so you want to do a social media. So if you have a website, get, get your Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, there's, you can get, there's hundreds of social media websites, but you basically want to do some social media, have those social signals. Okay. Uh, for, for your, for your brand, okay? okay. Have them mentioned, have those links. Okay. That, that forward to your website. Aside from that, you may want to add video. You may want to also add podcasts like what we're doing now. Okay, that, that also helps. And you want to make sure that your website is on various directories. Of course, it has to be on Google My Business, which is Google Maps, Google Business. You want to always be there. Reviews help. So you have to hit all those markers. And if you hit all those markers in the right way, Google will just give you prefer, uh, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll give you preference. Okay. And mm. they'll start ranking your website. Um, the best thing, the best strategy. Okay. This is the best strategy. And I always tell people this, if you want to rank your website, you first have to know who your top competitors are. So you have to do a search and whoever those top competitors are, you want to look and spy on those websites and just basically see what they have done. So you want to look at their meta title, meta description, uh, look at their website, the format, uh, how fast that, that website uh, loads. You want to, does that website have videos and, and how are they doing in social media? You want to do what they're doing, just do it better and make sure that all your content is original. So always be aware of your competition. That's the first thing. So if you want to now is for your own business. That's question for you is black hat i imagine it's probably like as as technology changes and google grows um is the black hat techniques that are used for example change a bit because i imagine like google's yeah. probably always learning things so you yeah. got to be maybe a technique that might work yeah. a couple of years ago may not work now uh, right yeah you know you're absolutely correct yeah 
it's always changing. So there is like, it's, we call this, uh, okay, Google has an algorithm. Okay, so they have an algorithm to, um, uh, to how they rank websites. And they, they read millions of different signals. Okay, so basically what Google has is called a bot, okay, or bots. And they're spiders. So they crawl the internet and they look at your website by reading its source code. So if you look at your mm-hmm. website um, and use a browser, you could look at its source code. And when you, you see that code, that is when you read that code, you see all that gibberish. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. going to have different tags like an H1 tag, H2 tag. There's different, there, there, there's different uh, scripts on, on your website. That is what Google reads. Okay. So what you're doing is you're just trying to make sure, okay, that your website is clean, it's readable, and that all those signals are perfect or as perfect as can can be for Google's algorithm. That algorithm Mm -hmm. is always changing. They always update it. You could do a search right now for Google algorithm update. And they, they are always changing. They're, they even have what's called a rolling update, meaning that their update is continuously happening like on a, on a daily basis. It's always changing. Now, mm-hmm. it's always been our belief that, like this is for an SEO uh, specialist, it's always our belief that uh, Google does this intentionally because it helps their business model. Because remember... Google makes money from advertising. They want all businesses paying um, using AdWords, pay-per-click. Mm-hmm. They want everybody using it. Why wouldn't they? Because that's how they make money. So it only makes sense, business sense, to ch- to change their or like just change their algorithm so that you have fluctuations. Because if you start rewarding websites you know, that, that have just, just come up the ranks or other websites, you know, it's good for them, but for businesses that have dropped, dropped and reduce, you know, they, they have reduced because conver- reduced views means reduced conversions. And if they're making mm. less money, they will, they will uh, be more likely to spend more money on Google AdWords. Mm. So it, it, so changing their algorithm is I believe I believe is part of their business model because it helps them sustain and grow revenue. Interesting, interesting. Uh-huh. Now, for in, in regards to, I want to learn a little bit more about Black Hat because I find it so interesting. Like, uh-huh. I guess, is there certain techniques I imagine that have to be careful because uh, you can get, uh-huh. I guess, for your test, you can get penalized. I imagine by Google. Uh-huh. Yes, right. So, so Google's algorithm will pick up those techniques. So, one technique for that's that's a black hat technique is article spinning. So article, okay, articles are very, are very difficult because you have to have, they have to be written by somebody. Okay. Now a black hat technique in the past that was very popular is that uh, you would take one article, a general article that would be, that would be scraped from the internet, like from the okay. web on any, on any topic, and mm-hmm. then it would be spun. So we call these, so one black hat tool would be called an article spinner. So they would take an article, they would spin it, and then you'd end up with 50 articles. I'm just giving, spitting out a number. You'd like when you say spin 50. it, you mean like write something negative about a brand it's or re- something? No, spinning mean it's rewritten. The article has been rewritten uh, using a oh, like a, okay like 
yeah, software script. But what happens is the article turns into gibberish. It doesn't even sound like it doesn't even gotcha. read. It doesn't even read well. Like it reads like because it's probably done by like a robot, right? Yes, yes, yeah. exactly. So that's the black hat technique. So this is a technique where you know some, you know, one web developer, webmaster would use an article spinner in order to just come up with content because they don't have the resources to have all these articles created so they they may get an article spinner so google obviously being sophisticated they would know if your article if your if your the article that you have posted is gibberish if it's just garbage and then they would penalize you for that because they know that you're using an article spinner so that is one uh tool okay article spinner another tool would be was popular back in the day are um black hat uh, sorry uh, backlink uh, creators they just create backlinks so there was one uh, popular actually there's I believe they're still they're still going strong but it was one mm. company or, or software called GSA there was uh, oh gosh I, you know what I can't remember all the names but it was but basically are, like a, a robot that created creators. these fake backlinks yeah they create backlinks now they create backlinks from very like from garbage <laughs> from low, low authority websites from garbage domains. Yeah. And most gotcha. of those, the vast majority of those domains are not even indexed in Google. So that's, mm. that, that is another tool that, that obviously Google penalizes you for when Google, when Google finds out that you have all these, you know, thousands and thousands of backlinks that are created, you know, every, every day or every month, they know that it's not organic. So, so if you, if you, if you, start using these tools you'll get penalized you'll eventually gotcha. get penalized and then google will just derank your website and the problem with that is recovering your website is from, probably from, harder right yeah from my experience is very mm-hmm. difficult and it's very frustrating because it you're going to put all your all your hope okay into one domain mm-hmm. and you're just wasting time it makes more sense to create more domains Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So talk about what I want to ask you too, a little bit about Rep Haven um, and kind of rep management and, and how that works. I remember a situation, I think it's when we were working together with, uh, mm-hmm. with I'm not going to say his full name, but Mr. Peter there, the, the crazy man. And okay. uh, I remember mm-hmm. Taylor and I, we went mm-hmm. to see a client that mm-hmm. um, needed reputation help, right? And yes. I remember that I think Taylor did a um, a search and he ran like um, a report to show their online presence and all that stuff. And it was, mm-hmm. a, I forget the business exactly, but it was a business that dealt in like shipping, I think, and receiving and their ranking was really low. And they're like, oh, we want to be their competition. So Taylor did a, re- a, a report and it came out that on this report that there was all this, I think it was like a black hat method, but there was all these links to like pedophile websites and the owner's name. And Taylor brought that up because yeah, there's like dozens and dozens of links linking your name and your website to like a pedophilia website. And it was, it was interesting because we're like, Oh, who who would do this to you? And we looked at the guy in the meeting and he was kind of like, he didn't seem like he was shocked. Like it's almost like he knew who it was. So it's interesting (laughs) to me. So talk talk a bit about rep Haven and how you would handle a situation like that. And, and kind of uh, how you, I guess, like suppress a bad reputation. Okay, so there is something called, this touches on another aspect of SEO. There's also what's called negative SEO. Okay, so negative SEO 
or anti-SEO. That's that term's not used so much, but it's negative SEO. It's basically hurting an enemy. So if you have a competing website, this happens mm-hmm. in a lot of niches. So you'd have a niche, let's say plumbing. I'm just throwing one out there. Okay, so let's just plumbing, mm-hmm. and then it's plumbing. You have your location, right? Because it could be, you know, Toronto. Uh, it could be Cleveland, Ohio, mm-hmm. LA. Like, and there's and then there's all these various states. Uh, sorry various you know uh, towns you know like it, it breaks down into so many areas but let's say in a specific area with a specific niche you have bad blood so you'll have one guy who wants to take another website down because they are unable to overtake them with their seo so oh, maybe so they're, they're playing hired... dirty kind of yeah they want to play dirty because mm. The, the techniques that they're using, whether it be white hat, black hat, or if they just hired, they hired an SEO company, an SEO firm, an agency to do their work. It's just not good enough. It's not working. Gotcha. They can't overtake and beat them. And they don't want to overspend them on AdWords, et cetera. They resort to negative SEO. Sometimes this happens. And it gets worse if, the, if the, their mark catches on because now they attack each other. So basically, they're destroying each other's website. So what happens is... <laughs> They would order, okay, um, let's say negative SEO packages done by, you know, various SEO people or et cetera. They do it themselves. And then, uh, again, they would do what you just mentioned here. That they would get, let's say, um, like porn or really nasty links. They would link their name or involve their name because they're in the hope Google's algorithm. Oh, I lost you there, Jerry. I'm sorry? Yeah. I'm sorry, can you hear me? Oh, there you are. I got you. I lost you for half a second, but you're okay now. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this happens all the time. Uh, they, they uh, Somebody would actually attack you personally or attack your website by getting nasty backlinks or nasty pages linked to you. And they're in the hope that a couple things, either uh, one is Google's algorithm picks it up and deranks your website. And secondly, Maybe they want to attack your name so that if somebody's searching for your name, they'll see that it's affiliated with garbage and thus hurt your reputation. This mm-hmm. happens. It happens more than you think because mm-hmm. well, I run an ORM, an online reputation management business. Now online, all my clients speak of this. They, they either want – the majority of them want to clean up their reputation. Mm-hmm. And this either, it, this either happens because someone is hurting them intentionally online mm-hmm. Or maybe they actually made some mistakes in the past and they have some bad, you know, publications. You know, yeah, yeah. Very common. This is very common. It's interesting. Now, I imagine, too, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, I imagine that uh, it's probably very difficult. If, 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 if somebody's going to do these techniques, um, it's probably not very legal, but it's probably very hard to find out who, who has done this negative rep uh, on your business. Am oh, I right? Absolutely. And this is yeah. all subject to the person that is doing the nasty work. So for instance, mm-hmm. if, if I'm not trying to teach anybody how to do this, but I'm just, I'm just saying that if somebody wanted to post negative information about you, they're free to do it. They could do it all mm-hmm. they want. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the luxury of their home or library or whatever, they could do that online. Now, there are laws. You don't dox people. You're not allowed to like put somebody's, you know, use their, their images or put, put their banking information, their personal information, uh, mm-hmm. their phone number and their address, you know, where they yeah. are, et cetera. But anybody can do that online, right? They can mm-hmm. do that. And the, the difficult part is finding them because when you post to a website, 
yes, you're posting from an IP, but there there are services, you know, VPNs, VPS, you can change your IP. Like it's like, it's just a big, it's crazy. Like anybody can post negative things about you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this war, you know, it, it, it will continue. It's never going to stop. You, you can't, you can't stop this. The, the only thing that you can do is you can prevent it by staying clean and uh-huh. by staying clean and also protecting your own reputation online, which is basically making sure that you have, you know, your positive information online and mm-hmm. keeping it ranked, keeping it ranked highly. That way, when people do a search for your business or your it doesn't person, hurt you as much, right? If somebody wants to yeah, try because, to disable your name. Yeah. Yeah. Because the truth is, the statistics, I don't know what it is today. It's, it used to be about, I think, 95% of searches all go to the top three percent, top three positions of an organic search, like like those organic positions, the top three. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, like let's say your negative information was on page two or three or four. Nobody's going to read it. Nobody's going to see yeah. it. Like nobody's mm-hmm. that popular. Like we're not celebrities, right? Unless you're like. And people by nature um, are lazy. They want everything within, you know, the first five or six results. If that. Exactly. They, they, that's it, right? Exactly. We call it above the fold. So let's say in the top half of the first page. Interesting. Okay. People will do searches, but then the further, the further you look down um, and then page two, three, four, nobody cares. Nobody's going to see it. Unless yeah. you have like a stalker, <laughs> somebody who's actually trying to find something on you, mm-hmm. which you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, oh, or also there's other reasons. I'm sorry, I forgot to mention. Uh, usually uh, HR, human resource, uh, HR departments now, I mean, as far as I know, all companies do mm-hmm. this now. So they, they will do a search for you, a Google search. This is where it hurts people. Yeah. And, and yeah. HR department will probably look at the first five pages <laughs> Yeah, that because they want to do more due diligence, right? And, and digging kind of yes, thing, right? Um, what I wanted to ask you, I don't know if I told you about the situation that happened with me with my business, right? Um, I think uh-huh. I told you a little bit. I know sometimes we, we talk and sometimes weeks go by, we don't talk as much. But I had a gentleman that I had hired. Yeah. I don't want to name any names. But um, uh-huh. I had a contractor. I had worked with him for about probably probably two years. And I worked with him a small uh-huh. project. I tested him out. He was good. I hired him again. He, he, he was he was good. So I kept hiring him. So I built a bit of trust, right? Because you know what it is. Like in, in my business, it's all about relationships. And there's yes. a ton of bad contractors um, that even I have to deal with. So I've, I've worked really, really hard, you can see, uh, especially in Mississauga, to build my brand. So I want to make sure that I keep that brand high and I get good reviews and all that kind of stuff. So I, I'm very selective mm. with who I hire, right? So mm. this guy, long story short, I had paid him uh, essentially 80% of the project. It was like this big project that I think he underbid and he was, he, he kept coming back to me for more money. He goes, Oh Rob, I need mm-hmm. more money and I need more money. So I had paid him. I got to a point where I paid him 80% of the project, but only like 40% was done. So I said to him, I go, uh, buddy, uh, I need to protect myself. I need to protect the customer. I'm happy to pay you the rest, but you know, you're putting me in a very difficult situation here because then I'm going to look like a like a schmuck, like a stronzo. If I pay him the full amount he's asking yeah. for and he takes off, they're going to, I'm going to look like an idiot, right? So long story yeah. short, he's like, no, I need to be paid now before it's done, blah, blah, blah. And he started to get aggressive. So we had to get the cops involved. Um, it was a big thing. The customer got a bit spooked. Um, he started blasting me online 
like basically saying, you know, I'm a piece of crap. I, I don't pay my contractors and just copying and pasting the same thing over and over. He looked like a, a, a goofball because I just very nicely, very eloquently. Um, and I think actually you, you gave me some advice on this. I just very professionally wrote back one response and that's it. But he kept posting and posting, like copying and pasting the same thing on my personal page on sure. my business page. And then sure. he was the, the one thing I was worried about is that he was um, soliciting other people. And I have a text message where he admitted to this, which was stupid. He goes, I'm going to get other people to write negative reviews too and bring your review down. Oh, so boy. I was about oh. to get involved in a legal battle. Um, thankfully now the guy kind of disappeared. I think he was all just talk trying to scare me because he's, well, I'm going to put a lien on your customer property and then your customer won't be able to sell. And so I was talking to my, our family friend who's a lawyer and he goes, listen, let's see what happens. You can sue him. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of proof here that if you want to sue him for defamation, but you're going to probably spend 10 grand, uh, to sue him for defamation. So now that he kind of disappeared and he only left a couple bad reviews, um, I'm not so worried. But, you know, like I said, I, I'm thankfully that I've worked hard over the last three, four or five years to um, get my reputation high, especially my Google reviews, because that's where most of my business comes from. Some from referrals and some from social media, mm. but most of it from Google. Mm. So I'm lucky that, like I said, he didn't go further, but I probably would have had to, um, you know, get something like get your help to, to, to suppress those reviews yeah. because uh, – you can get into it. I guess that's the only re, really way to fight it is like, I mean, he's, this guy was a dummy, but if he was more intelligent, he would have hired a firm to like do a negative SEO on me maybe. And then that would have probably had to spend a lot of money to uh, both an SEO and pro probably both legally to, to, to get my reputation. Okay. Up, right? I have some advice here. Okay. This is mm -hmm. Tell me. advice here. Okay. Remember this. Okay. Just from my, just from my observation in life, I would say one out of 10 people, okay, that you see that are just walking around, right, are crazy, have mental problems, <laughs> okay? So there's a, the, this is a fact that at least 10%, I think the mm -hmm. number is probably a bit higher, but 10% I think is a good number. So one out of 10. That means one out of 10 people out there are nuts. You can go, you know, and, and per tell those people and, and even use the law and say, you know, stop bothering me. But these kind of people, because they have, uh, because they're mentally ill, it doesn't mean that they're actually going to stop and, and it could even make it worse. So you have to realize even when you're in business, you're always going to get that crazy, you know, that, that crazy person that, you mm -hmm. know, that, that, that Karen, uh, so we like using that word today, but you're going to get yeah. that crazy person that's just not going to like you or they're not going to like your service and you're not going to understand why, but the reason is they're just crazy. Okay. So what you have to do is you cannot put too much attention or give too much attention to these people because it's just not going to go away. And, and the longer mm -hmm. that your business survives, the more of these people or customers or, or, or contractors you're going to bump into it's just part of business you're always going to have that and, and when you look at like for instance reviews you might have amazing like i have uh i have friends even yourself you're gonna have all these amazing reviews you're always once in a while gonna get that person who's just gonna put that one star or that's just gonna say something bad it happens mm -hmm. to all businesses there's no such thing as a business that is perfect and you know what I realized with those bad reviews too? I used to always want perfect reviews, but having a couple yeah. bad ones 
actually helps validate the good ones because sometimes I've had people say, oh, you yeah. have all good reviews. It looks like you're just, you're, they're fake. Right. But when you have one or two bad ones, it's like, okay, you know what, this is, this. most people are reasonable to say, That's okay, true. you're going to have, you know, if you go to a restaurant, you, you know, and it's a, it's a great restaurant, amazing restaurant you always like. Yeah. If you look at even their reviews, they're going to have one or two bad people that are just crazy that leave always. a stupid review, right? Yeah. Always. That's right. You yeah. can't please everyone. It is impossible. And, and just always be aware that there are, you know, there, there are people that are just, they're crazy. They, we have mm-hmm. at least 10% of people out there are crazy. It's not that they're bad, but just people that are just, they're mentally, like there's, there's a mental illness. Mm-hmm. And so you can't mm-hmm. appease. So what I'm trying to say is you cannot appease everyone. It's, it, it is impossible. It is statistically impossible. <laughs> so just be aware mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. So do you think with this situation here, I should just, now that this guy's kind of seems like he's disappeared He's kind of yeah, realized like he, he hasn't put a lien on the property, which which is the biggest thing yeah. because then the customer wouldn't be able to sell her house and we'd have to fight it. So I think yeah. what happened was he was all barking, no, uh, uh, no bite. And he just yeah. wanted to scare us into paying. Yeah. But it's yeah. it's interesting to me when like what money gets involved, how people change. Like this guy, like, again, I'd known him for a couple years. I tried him out on smaller projects. I'm like, okay, he got it done. That's good. I'll pay him. He got it done. You know, and we built rapport. So the guy knew I paid my bills, but I think what had happened was he underbid the job and it, Hey, it, it, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. It, it disheartens me. I do it sometimes too, where I quote a customer. I'm like, shit, you know what? This is going to cost me a little bit more than I thought, but you know what? It's part of business. You can't go back to the customer and say, Hey, you know what? By the way, we're, we're two months into your project. You're going to have to pay an extra 10 grand because I didn't calculate it properly. You can't yeah. do that. That's why contractors no, get a bad reputation for me. Like I, 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 it doesn't happen very often anymore, which is good because I've learned how to price projects and all that stuff. And now I've kind of marketed myself as a bit of higher end brand. So, you know, I'm not the cheapest contractor out there. I tell people, if you want really cheap, cheap, you know, I, I, I can't help you. There's lots of guys that do it for cheap. That'll do a really bad job. But so if you want it done properly and good, um, I can, I can do it for you. But I think what happened with this situation, this gentleman is that he underbid it. He was feeling the pinch because he owed, you know, probably his guy's money his workers. And instead of dealing with like a gentleman and just trying to be the thing, he, he, uh, he went crazy and he started threatening the customer. Like I said, we had to get the police involved. He said he was going to come rip everything down. It was, it was a disaster. So thankfully now, like it's so within, I don't know if you knew this, but it might be the same in Vancouver, but in Toronto and Ontario, you basically have 60 days as a contractor. If either the general contractor doesn't pay you or the homeowner doesn't pay you, uh, and you have done your work, you have 60 days to put a lien on that property. So the 60 day mark passed just the other day. Great. We, we checked the bank, we checked the lawyers, there's no lien. So it's great. So I think I'm just going to kind of move on, keep doing my CEO. Yeah, you have to, keep... for, you have to forget about him. He's going to find yeah. another victim and he's going to do the same thing with, with yeah. somebody else. You just don't want to be memorable in his mind. So, so just don't even, don't, don't bother with it because you're, you're basically going to drop off in his mind, mm-hmm. in his mental yeah. Rolodex. It's just, you're yeah. going to fall off. And then that's yeah. a good but, thing because he's, crazy. but I think it's good for other business owners to know because you're, you're very knowledgeable on SEO and on a reputation because a lot of business owners may freak out and be like, Hey, you know what, mm-hmm. how do I deal with this? So, um, it's, it's, it's important to know that, you know, listen, there's so much in your control and you, you try to do the best you can, but. You know, uh, if people need uh, at the end of the show, I'm going to get you to say your website again and I'll put it in like the notes. So if yeah, people the, need the, reputation yeah, help and stuff, they can reach out with, to you. Yeah, it's with any business and they can do it themselves. They don't have to hire me or hire anybody else. But what they have to do when you go into business, always try to protect 
be pre, be preemptive be preemptive and protect your reputation online that way if somebody does say something negative about you or your business or your family etc it's not seen it's being suppressed so you have mm-hmm. to be preemptive so in your business yeah. or your person just make sure that there's positive good information online and that is what is seen just do it preemptively mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like I think you told me this analogy once and it kind of always stuck with me. It's like building a reputation and building your business is kind of like going to the gym. Like if you go once to the gym and you never go for six months, you're not going to look <laughs> be in good shape. But if you go every day, you do a little bit, you know, an hour workout, whatever, go home. And the same thing with the business is if you do a little bit every yeah. day with your reputation or online or whatever marketing, mm-hmm. over the course of like seven, eight years, you're going to build a strong business and your online reputation is going to be very strong. And I realize it's, it's so similar to that, yeah. right? Yeah, it's very true. You have to be consistent. Yeah, it is like going to the gym or working out. You just have to be consistent. You know, just put in, put in, the, put in the work, put in the time. It's interesting. And, and you'll I, be, yeah. I want to switch gears for a sec because I, I want to yeah. get talking a little bit about crypto and FTX and all that because mm-hmm. uh, you kind mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, I, th- I I kind of owe a lot to you because you kind of got me uh, on the radar of crypto early on. And do you, do you remember how you first heard about crypto and you you first got involved in kind of uh, Bitcoin and all that stuff? Or oh, it kind of just, long you, story you, too. Hmm. I think it was like 2000. Uh, 13 is when okay. I first uh, learned about it uh, from a friend who mentioned um, mentioned information about Bitcoin. I got curious about it, but I remember doing Google searches. I, I did find, it was called, oh, Local Bitcoin. It was a website called Local Yes, Bitcoin, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Where you could purchase Bitcoin. And, and I remember I purchased some just for fun. I purchased like $70 or $80 worth of Bitcoin just for fun. Um, from somebody that I didn't meet. I just basically, I think I e-transferred them some money. And then I learned how to mine. So I picked up an ASIC miner, which I purchased from eBay. And you plug this little USB device into your Chromebook or your computer okay. and it would mine. Mm-hmm. And I was mining pennies. And I didn't do this with the intention of, oh, I'm going to make a lot of money. I just did it for the for, for the. You were interested of, in the technology probably. Uh, very curious because I'm a computer yeah. geek. So I just did it mm-hmm. for that reason. That's how I basically got involved. And then 2017, 2016, 2017, the other was a bull run. I created the world's first um, ICO, which which stands for Initial Coin Offering. I did. I I developed um, an app, which was just a notification app, so it would notify people on their mobiles of ICOs that are coming down the pipe or that are that are launching. So that's basically mm-hmm. all that app would do. So I created that in 2016. Uh, 2017 um yeah and and i did pretty well i I was in early i hate talking about the story because it actually brings up um uh a negative past trauma here there's a past trauma i got burned up i i used to own a lot of ethereums i purchased them very low price and um i had a friend that got involved in crypto and i basically lent him i sent him a ton of ethereums to like trade with and he was doing mm-hmm. well. He made a stupid move and basically lost all of them. I was traumatized by it. But mm-hmm. okay, moving forward, everything's good now. What I've learned in crypto, okay, and you can look at this. Uh, you can look at this from from chart analysis. There is a pump. Okay, this is the most important thing about crypto. There is a bull run, a bull cycle, a heavy bull cycle every four years. Um, this is algorithmic. Okay, uh, it's called the Bitcoin halving. 
Okay, so every time there's a Bitcoin halving, it means that miners are only going to earn 50% less. Their, their, their mining is going to be cut in half, okay, with the same amount of energy. Hmm. This triggers a bull run every single time. The next bull cycle will happen in 2024. Um, oh, there's something also I have to, to mention. Aside from understanding these bull cycles, you have to also understand that if you're using a centralized exchange, you can never fully trust them. So you should never have your crypto on wallets that reside on exchanges because you can lose every single penny. We learned this mm -hmm. from Mt. Gox. This was early yeah. in 2014. We learned this from uh, Quadriga uh, in Canada. Yeah, in Canada, we had what was it? What was that one in Quadriga? Quadriga, Quadriga yeah, we mm -hmm. learned that here. We learned that here just with FTX. Mm -hmm. Okay, and it can happen with Binance, even like all of them. So, what does that teach us? It teaches us that you should never keep your currency, okay, your, your, your coins on a centralized that's the word centralized exchange. Does that mean that crypto is a scam? No, it just mm -hmm. means the, the way we counter this is through. DeFi, decentralized finance through swapping. If you're Binance, you'll use like a pancake swap. If you are Ethereum based, which is ERC20, you'll use Uniswap. Basically, these are just two platforms. But mm -hmm. DeFi, there, there is even a stronger argument for DeFi today than yesterday. Like the, the argument is even stronger. It's something that's just not going to go away. Decentralized finance is awesome. Because it allows so explain you to... a, a bit more about DeFi because I've heard the term, but I actually don't even understand fully. So I know it's a decentralized exchanges, but how would that work? Okay, okay, okay. So a centralized exchange, okay, is basically an exchange where you are you are storing <laughs> and trading. That is, the, you are storing and trading your crypto on their platform. Okay, so when when you trade using, let's say, Binance. Finance mm -hmm. is, a, is a centralized exchange. Uh, you are going to deposit your Bitcoin or purchase your Bitcoin. So that, that, that centralized exchange will now talk to your personal bank account, your checking account. You might send them some money, send them $100. With that $100 on their exchange, you are going to use their exchange to purchase Bitcoin or any other altcoin that they're offering. That currency that you're purchasing is going to reside on a wallet on their exchange. It's all okay. centralized. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's where the risk is because they could shut down, steal all that money or, or lose all of it. Okay. And disappear. And you're, you've lost everything. Now, these mm -hmm. decentralized finance is utilizing your own wallet. So the most popular decentralized DeFi wallet that we use today is called MetaMask. Okay, so this will reside okay. on your on your Chromebook, on your browser, on your mobile device, you know, on your computer, your PC. That is your own wallet. So the and, and it's anonymous. It's not it's not um, well, it's pseudo anonymous. I would mm -hmm. say, meaning that you know it, it is it's IB, IP like you can track the IP or track the address, but it's not it's not um, linked to your specific name. Okay, to your to your okay. actual name. Okay, or your actual bank. It doesn't talk to your bank account, your TD, RBC, et cetera, CNBC. Mm -hmm. It doesn't talk to your bank account. But that wallet resides on, on your device. That's decentralized. Now, when you want to swap or purchase cryptos, 
okay? Or let's just say swap. So meaning you're taking your Bitcoin and you want to swap it and turn it into a BNB, like a Binance, you know, Binance coin or, or Ethereum, etc. You can now swap using your wallet and using a platform like let's say Pancake Swap or Uniswap, which I mentioned earlier. <clears throat> you can now swap and trade those cryptos. And then those cryptos, again, will reside on your wallet, your personal wallet. So it's not held by a centralized exchange. So that's okay. the basic That's the basic definition, <clears throat> in my words, <laughs> and if, if that makes any sense. Interesting. Interesting. So would it be essentially like automated in the sense that, say, I want to trade somebody or I want to uh, buy $1,000 worth of BTC? I would put like, can you, but can this you only the, buy on a you can okay you 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 can go go through one of these centralized wallets there are links okay that that they will offer for you to purchase okay so this is called this is an entry now you're you're doing what's called a crypto entry so at an entry point you are going to go through some sort of centralized exchange okay but once you just to get your your fiat uh converted to crypto right yeah so in the beginning when you start with when you start with crypto there's an initial investment and an entry point okay for Mm -hmm. you to get involved you can either purchase crypto from someone like a friend or whatever that's fine because they may have some already Mm -hmm. um or you can go through an exchange um or which is very popular you can even use a like an atm or a service online using your credit card, but you can go through mm-hmm. an ATM because there, there, there are Bitcoin ATMs all over the place, right? You can go to one. You'll pay a higher fee. You might pay 5 10%, but then you'll end up with your crypto. That crypto will then reside. You would have it sent to a wallet, so that would be on your personal wallet. But then when it comes to trading, you don't have to use a centralized exchange, which is one central authority. You can actually gotcha. go ahead and use one of these uh, DeFi uh, platforms. It's just the entry level. When you when you first enter crypto, you have to actually purchase using your own cash and using one of gotcha. these exchanges. <coughs> interesting. Oh, it's interesting. Now, that's okay. Yeah, it's it's it's. I think um, it's we need more DeFi exchanges because, like, you know, talk a bit about now the FTX whole thing. I'm, I was kind of so disappointed when that happened. It's like shit, man. It's like it happened with Quadriga, happened with Mount Gox, and it's like holy shit, is this? It happens every time. And like, you know what I mean? Like, and, and I'm curious to get your opinion. Like, how do we stop this? Do, do we do we need the government's regulation okay. more so that there's more trust? Like, no, no, me- crypto. No, no, crypto is already regulated. It's And it's going to get regulated even more, but it's already regulated. The, these exchanges are all legitimate. They're regulated by the government. They but apparently FTX them. was, uh, it was, it would be, they, they, there was some loophole. I don't fully understand it, but they were in Bahamas operating. So they weren't privy to the same, I guess, well, the laws, uh, due diligence. Yeah. yeah, well, laws are jurisdictional, but I mean, they were still, I mean, there's still a legitimate exchange. Uh, there are going to be loopholes, but in my personal opinion, this problem will never go away forever. As long mm-hmm. as we have centralized exchanges, you can never fully trust them. Mm-hmm. This is not going to go away. This is always going to be an issue. The solution is decentralized finance. That is the solution. Mm-hmm. Um, just using other means. Um, but I don't believe, I don't believe for a second that your coins are ever going to be safe on any centralized exchange, any of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. FTX today, 
tomorrow it's going to be another one. It's going to be another yeah. uh, company. There's always going to be centralized exchange that's going to do a rug pull and take everybody's money. I always yeah. believe that. That's yeah. never going to go away. And even though you put all this government, you know, intervention or, or regulations, that I don't, <laughs> I don't trust that either. Because <laughs> yeah. laws, mm-hmm. laws are jurisdictional. Okay, so you can have an exchange that's run in Romania or Bahamas or pa- Panama, Hong Kong, mm-hmm. like all different places. I mean, this is the World Wide Web. You can access these exchanges. Yeah, from anywhere. And if you're not allowed to. Because of an IP ban, you could just go around it, you know, with a VPS, yeah. VPN, etc. So I don't the 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 way to what am I trying to say? Just be careful. <laughs> that's say, the best way to, to, to make sure you don't you, get burned, right? <laughs> I'm gonna say, well use centralized exchanges minimally, okay. But if you want to start trading in different cryptos in different altcoins. You're just going to have to resort to DeFi. Mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. that's the that's the solution. Yeah, and if you do use it, I mean, like one of the first rules. I I I my knowledge of crypto is very minimal, and I learn more and more from from talking with you every day and reading and learning. Right, but one of the number one rules, even if you're a newbie to crypto, is like not your keys, not your crypto. It's like if you're going to yes, buy that, something, take it off, yeah. take it off the exchange right away and put it yeah. on your own personal wallet. Because then if you keep it on their wallet, you're privy to what happens to that company. Right. And I've seen it, for example, so many times that it, it amazes <laughs> to me right. that this stuff, you know, people still make this mistake. It's like, I think it's, I don't know if it's a lot of newbie investors getting involved and they're getting burned or what, but yeah, take it off the exchange right away. That's what I do. Whenever I'm going to buy, I buy literally as soon as the order goes through, I put it to my own personal wallet. Yeah, that's right. Put it on your own personal wallet and just don't leave anything on exchanges. You can't trust them fully. Always remember that you can be burned at any second. And these and the sad thing is they're centralized. You're supposed to trust them, right? So <laughs> it's sad for sure. Yeah, it's you're sad. supposed to trust them, but you, but you can't. They're the ones doing the biggest scam. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. so ironic. They're the ones now, doing do you, the most theft. What's your opinion on now like the future of crypto, like in terms of like I, I'm pretty excited because I think when you first told me about it, it was still early on, and it was like you know you're still wondering. But now it's been around. I think you know. I'm incredibly for- I'm incredibly bullish because we have something coming down the pipe. This is one aspect. This is just one. There's so many things. There's NFTs, mm-hmm. right? Non fungible mm-hmm. tokens. I, uh, now we have contracts that are in the blockchain. This was all created by Ethereum. Now Binance and other chains, Polygon. Like there, there's all different cryptos that are doing that, but. What mm-hmm. I'm excited about <clears throat> is something called P2E, P2E. It's play okay. to earn. So you think about uh, gaming. A lot of people game, but with gaming, you can now make money. You can earn money online instead of just playing a game and walking away with you know the feeling of I won or my character is doing well or I'm getting a higher score. No, now you have motivation. You have motive to earn money. So now you can actually play a game make money at that game by earning tokens or nfts etc and swapping those tokens for bitcoin or a stable coin a stable coin like a usdt like a tether or a usdc like a stable coin that's one to one to your dollar so you can actually earn money from playing games which is incredible because you think about all the youth like in this world that is mm-hmm. all that have mobile phones, personal computers at home, 
they're not working nine to five after school. They're playing games and they mm-hmm. play. Um, one of the, the, the highest PDE earning or, or adopting nations on earth is the Philippines. There is a crypto called Axie. There's a crypto called Axie. I remember okay. the market cap was like over 5 billion. I think it went as high as 10 billion, but don't, don't quote me on that. I don't know if 10 billion, but for sure they hit yeah, 5 yeah. billion. And the, the majority, the vast majority of their users, Axie users were, were in the Philippines. And I think also followed by Venezuela, some other nations. And these are lower income nations. Like these nations, they, they earn, they earn less, right? They, they, there's okay. greater, greater poverty in these nations is what I'm trying to say. And, the reward was incre- was incredible for, for a lot of these uh, people because they would play. You'd think, why would it be so popular? Well, it's because they were earning crypto. They were actually earning money from playing games. So this is one very positive um, aspect uh, with crypto, just one that is very, very powerful and how I could see its case use really being implemented and helping lives. Because a lot of people in the Philippines were playing, making money, using that money to feed their family. And even some, I've heard of stories where they even purchased a home. Interesting. Yeah. Do you think, can you see big corporations like, say, like EA Games and like PlayStation, Nintendo getting involved and stuff like that? or All of them. Hmm. All of them. All of them are going to offer at some point some sort of a, um, a token. They're going to tokenize. Uh, and they're going to they're going to earn because <clears throat> they all think about it. All corporations or all businesses want everyone want their customers. You want their customers using their products and their services. <clears throat> if they start seeing their competitors using crypto, they're just going to follow. They're just going to jump on the bandwagon. That's mm-hmm, all like mm-hmm. they're all, eventually all of them are going to have tokenized versions of crypto or at least mm-hmm. utilize them. All of them are yeah, going to they, start offering, like, like accepting forms of crypto to purchase their products. I believe the exciting thing for me is is that, like, you know, you see more and more, like the last five years or so, some big companies getting involved, big names, like you know, you got you got Elon Musk, uh, you know, very big advocate for crypto. You have um, other guys like Michael Saylor, MicroStrategy, he's adding that to his balance sheet, and it's it's becoming more and more mainstream, which is which is great because it validates. Uh, kind of what was in the fringe before and people talked about crypto like you know 10 years ago it's like oh you're a weirdo now it's kind of like okay with nfts and all this stuff happening like trump out of your trump came up with these nft playable cards that dude sold out in like two hours they he sold yeah, like five was, million for these nfts yeah that, that was quite recent and i think it was quite genius too because he's running again but mm-hmm. if he uses like a stunt like that to make money, to earn money, and then use that money for his campaign, for instance. Like, it's genius. Like, it's very mm-hmm. simple. It's such a simple way to, to earn money, right? Just mm-hmm. tokenize your your service, like your product, right? Just make some NFTs, et cetera, and just have people buy them. This economy just shows you how strong the crypto economy is. There is a, a strong base, and it's only growing. And youth, okay, people that are younger than us, they embrace it like it's nothing. Like they like mm-hmm. like it's nothing. They just tokenizing, like using tokens and, and using crypto, like is nothing for them. It's not mm-hmm. gonna go away. Like it never, like it's never gonna go away. This is just an this is just an evolution <laughs> of 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 uh of of crypto and, and it's never gonna go away. 
Even governments, yep. even governments are coming out with CDCs. They're trying to develop their own national cryptos. They're trying to tokenize their own currencies. It's happened in China. Now, a lot of countries, you could do a Google search and find out all the countries that are trying, that are working on CDCs, like trying to, trying to create their own crypto. So this mm -hmm. is just, where did they get the idea from? <laughs> right mm -hmm. where they get a, the idea of taking you know creating digital currency and having a blockchain ledger like where'd they get the mm -hmm. idea from they got it from bitcoin now do you think with with bitcoin do you think um that they'll always because i have my opinions i'm curious to get your input like it, it bitcoin will always be the kind of top dog because it's the first and, oh. and kind of the one the thing or do you think yeah you're gonna have other ones that are gonna come over and, and kind of take over it I know, I know where you're going with this. Yeah, will it always be the like the reserve currency for crypto? Mm -hmm. Um, you know what? Part of my mind says, yeah, yeah. You know what? It probably will be. It probably will always be. I I believe that. And whether it is or not, doesn't really matter. What really matters is that crypto will always, um, there'll Makes always sense. be a form of decentralized finance and something mm -hmm. that a parallel, a parallel of currency that is parallel to what we have now like there's always mm -hmm. going to be an alternative because not everybody trusts you know like the banking system the way it is now because with inflation and then you see how everyone's dollar is being weakened just because of you know um Inflation uh, and overprinting uh, of money. Yeah, inflation, right? but this is over borrowing, right? Because then you mm -hmm. have like governments that borrow too much from their central banks. I mean, they're basically money printing. Um, because of because of money printing, they're they're devaluating, devaluing their currencies. So inflation mm -hmm. is not gonna is not gonna stop. Mm -hmm. It's gonna continue forever. Like it's just never gonna stop. The only alternative to it. You know, there's a couple of alternatives. You have bullion, which is gold and silver, but who's going to carry gold and silver in their pocket, right? It's, mm -hmm. <laughs> crypt, crypto makes the most sense. The only unfortunate thing with crypto is that it suffers such volatile swings. <clears throat> when it drops, it drops super hard. When it goes up, it goes up super high. <clears throat> so now do you think that'll that'll ever come to a point like maybe five ten maybe 20 years <clears throat> down the road where it kind of levels off and equalizes a lot more or do you think it's always going to be volatile oh the volatility i don't know i can't speculate on the volatility i, I think it's always going to be more volatile um than any other market i think it will mm -hmm. continue that way um but what will differentiate the winners from the losers is that you just have to understand the major cycles. So when <clears throat> when there's a having approaching and going on, which is every four years, there's a bull cycle. And during that bull cycle, Bitcoin and all these altcoins or shitcoins, okay, they're all gonna rally and they're all gonna do well. Now, when when we go into a bear cycle and, and Bitcoin starts dropping, all these altcoins, i.e. shitcoins, they're all gonna drop. Okay, so that that's just that's the nature that's mm -hmm. the nature of the market. That's the nature of the market. It's like a whip. <clears throat> so with a whip, you have the handle, right? <clears throat> and then mm -hmm. when you use the whip, the very tip of the whip is very dramatic. Right? It's a, it's a there's a dramatic movement at the tip of the whip. That's kind of like how how the crypto market is because you have Bitcoin mm -hmm. is the handle. So when it moves like ten percent. You're going to have altcoins that are going to move hundreds, 
like many X, right? They're going to mm. move. They're very exaggerated. <clears throat> and that's why this market is only going to thrive. It's never going to go away because you're always going to have an opportunity. There's always going to be an opportunity to become wealthy, like overnight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've read too. I've read, I forget who it was. It was Michael Saylor talking about this, but um, essentially it was an article that basically talked about Bitcoin and how um, the the ecosystem, when you when you look at it compared to other market caps, even like gold, like you were saying, gold, I think right now is give or take, like I think about $10 trillion market cap versus Bitcoin and crypto is only like 900, 800 billion. So it's really like such a small fraction of the overall uh, market cap of, of some bigger commodities and assets, but, small, if, uh, but a lot small, of people are, but, yeah, small, but not too small. I mean, it's like, almost yeah, but what I'm saying is that there's there, a lot of people are saying maybe 10 years down the road, it's going to start to stabilize. Cause when you have more, maybe regulation and you have more people that are trust, trust crypto and get involved, even if, if crypto becomes say half, let's say conservatively, even if it becomes half the market cap of gold, which is yeah. you know, $5 trillion, you're now dealing with a bigger pool of money. So when you have people buying and selling and trading, when you have a big, much bigger pool, it's like throwing a little pebble into a small little puddle. Yeah, you're going to see the ripples. But if you throw a pebble into the ocean, you're not going to see the ripples as much because it's a bigger pool, right? And, and people say that's yeah. kind of an analogy with, with crypto. Maybe it might take 5, 10, 15 years, but eventually it'll start to stabilize the price long term. I think so. I guess the the price would somewhat, you know, I I think this price would probably somewhat stabilize. We just have to get a lot greater market cap. So when Bitcoin is around a trillion dollar market cap, yeah, I could see absolutely the price will stabilize more. <clears throat> and this, I don't know how far this will be. Maybe maybe it'd be a decade, you know, or so. But yeah, I can see that happening. All I know is, not for certain, but I believe. For certain just my own personal thoughts mm-hmm. crypto is not a fad that's going to die no it's not it's going to be around like what makes you say that just because it's been around now for so long because and get, we're, we're... Because, because it's because it goes hand in hand with the internet so it's internet money so it, the internet like you if you think if you think crypto is going to die or tokens or if you, if you think that's going to die then you must also think the internet's going to die. But that doesn't make any sense. The crypto is never going to, I mean, the internet's never going to die. Exactly. It's never going to die. Why would the internet never die? The reason the internet will never die is because basically the, the entire banking system is online, right? So this is how, this is how we use commerce. And this is, this, there, there's an entire economy on the internet. Why would it die? It runs on electricity, Unless elect unless we have a giant meteor that hits the planet, there's no electricity, then mm-hmm. we're not going to have internet. So we're always going to have internet. So people are always going to spend money and and, and use uh, the internet to, to make purchases, like whether it's Amazon or or uh, you know like um, Ali AliExpress, etc. There's always going to be mm-hmm. commerce, but they're always going to have the option of using crypto, always because it's perfect. Mm-hmm. It's perfect money for the internet it's perfect for online commerce it's perfect because you're you're doing transactions with your wall directly to your wallet mm-hmm. it's perfect do you, so I, I don't do you, see i don't see why crypto will ever die impossible do you think it'll get to the it's point where web3 have you heard of web3 
No. Like Web3, the, the, the new, I guess it's a new system, a new system of uh, uh, for the internet itself, but it's completely integrated to metaverse <laughs> and crypto, which is the commerce for Web3. So that's the integration. I mean, you could research this online, but this is how things are going. It's like and Web three, what is just like integrates payments into websites, kind of thing, or what? It's going to in- integrate payment and, and metaverse all into your all into your surfing experience. So you're going to surf online. You're going to do your searches. You're going to see your social media, etc. And you're going to be making purchases via crypto with wallets that are already attached to your browser mm-hmm. and you're going to you're going to ex- have an experience where you're in like a world online so for instance it's like playing you know how everyone like you play first person games like call of duty or <laughs> you play call mm-hmm. of duty or you play skyrim or you know any of these online experiences This is what the, this is what, this is basically what the metaverse will be. So you'll be online shopping, like you'll be looking at a mall. Okay. You'll be in a mall looking at products and saying, yeah, I I want this, this, this jacket looks really cool. You're seeing it basically live on your browser. You're saying, I want to purchase that. And then you go ahead Mm -hmm. and purchase it. But this is the type of experience that we're going to have because we're having, Higher speeds with 5G, there's probably going to be a 6G, 7G, who knows? And, and data is going to be tr- transmitted so quickly that we're going to have a far better user experience. Resolution, animation, it's all going to work seamless and very fast. This is the future mm-hmm. of the internet. This is the now, do you think? Do you think Bitcoin, I know originally Crypto Wrong was kind of thought as like, you know, kind of be able to use for payments back and forth, but because the price is so volatile, a lot of people just like to hold on to it, right? It's like, why am I going to spend $2 on a coffee with Bitcoin today when in a year that could be worth $8, right? So can you, do you foresee it being used as more of a store of value that people kind of just hold on to uh, like they've been doing? Oh, yeah, or yeah, you yeah, think yeah. eventually it'll get to a point where it's like, <clears throat> no. okay, we're, we're using it for as currency? No, no, no. I believe yes, yes. I believe Bitcoin will always be used as a store of value, kind of like gold. And the reason I say that is because it has a finite uh, supply. So there's only mm-hmm. 21 million printed, right? Or created, 21 million. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those millions have, will never be recovered <coughs> already. They've been lost mm-hmm. because, because we have lost the keys, right? Or the passwords to access them. Yeah. Um, or people have died. People who have, oh, I had a million, I had a thousand Bitcoins, right? And mm-hmm. the person's dead, right? So you'll never, there's a lot that, so it's even more scarce than the 21 million, far mm-hmm. more scarce. So what I believe is that Bitcoin is basically uh, going to, it will be, it's, it's kind of algorithmic. It's going to algorithmically trigger these four-year bull cycles because of its having, which is its nature comes from mining. Mm-hmm. But other cryptos will always be used for commerce. So whether it be, you know, XRP or, or Ethereum or any of these other cryptos, they're always going to be used uh, for commerce online. And mm-hmm. I also believe that in the future, there will be a singularity with crypto, meaning that our wallets will be so sophisticated that let's say you're holding five different cryptos in your wallet. Um, 
the the blockchains that the, that those currencies are on will work seamlessly. So if you're going to go purchase a product, a t-shirt that's like $25, you'll be able to pay for that a crypto. Oh, sorry. You'll be able to pay for that product via your wallet. But regardless mm-hmm. of what crypto you have, it's going to seamlessly transact. Because I think that a lot of these cryptos, they're seamlessly going to have their blockchains talk to each other. And then you're just going to have those purchases made very, very mm. easy, easily and quickly on your wallet. That's what that's what I personally believe. Interesting. Do you think now, like you could see in the in the future, like with the governments and, and traditional banking kind of kind of worried, uh, can you foresee them like creating like, say, like a U.S. government coin or a, a Canada coin? And then. Yeah, those are CDCs. You know, yeah, they're working on them right now. Yes, I believe there'll be not. That would probably, be, that'd that'd probably be a good be thing for the industry. Am I wrong? It's a parallel. It, it, it mm-hmm. is a good thing because it gets people used to utilizing crypto so you're gonna uh-huh. have like there's a lot of people who don't use crypto they're used to using cash mm-hmm. i don't think governments like that because they can't follow or tax people properly appropriately mm-hmm. but there's going to be cdcs okay so yes there's going to be a canadian coin <laughs> which is basically the canadian dollar but it's going to yeah, be a form but of digital CDC. yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's going to be digital form it's going to be us there's going to be all countries that are definitely going to are going to have those digital currencies the governments are going to love it because they they know exactly what's being spent how much is being spent therefore they know how much to tax but they can also track you it's not so much that they want to actually mm-hmm. spy on you know but they can easily track you which is good for other reasons right <clears throat> so that will run in parallel to uh, Bitcoin, Bitcoin's never going to be integrated into. It's never going to be. It's never going to be integrated into like a, a C, like a CDC type of system because that's all pseudo anonymous. None of these Bitcoin Bitcoin wallets are connected to a personal name, so there will always be a parallel. Mm-hmm. But the positive thing is. When you get involved in CDCs, which we'll probably be forced to, like in the future, maybe a decade from now, you will already understand a crypto system, and then that parallel of Bitcoin will always be there, and it will be seamless. It will be just, it will be easy to use. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to be using crypto in the future. It's interesting. Well, Everybody. now it's like you know, you already have certain governments. Like I think it's like Japan that accepts it as kind of like a national currency, and. And I know parts of Asia, and it's. I think it's it's good. The fact that it's already survived ten plus years is is a, definitely a good sign. Oh right? yeah, there's there's countries that have that have, I think was it Venezuela, one of a couple, one or two South American countries I believe, mm-hmm. that already said that it's legal tender. I think even Putin, I think in Russia, I think they they even accept um, uh, fuel like purchases of their of their gas. I think interesting I think, or oil. I think I think it's I think they accept crypto. Crypto will eventually be accepted by like all countries are going to utilize utilize it or accept it. They'll be basically before they'll have no they'll have no option. Like it, they're all going to be they're they're all going to be using it in the future, for sure. It's fa- it's fascinating. Um, two last questions, Jerry. I want to ask. I know it's getting uh, kind of long, but so I appreciate um, you spending right. the time. But I wanted your opinion on two things. What do you? I don't know if you've seen that Quadriga doc on that Netflix about the the whole scandal. I mean, it was pretty interesting. But I was curious if uh, what you think about that guy, like, because there's a lot of people that think the guy oh, still, the, is still alive well, I have an and he's hiding somewhere. I didn't, yeah. I didn't watch that. I didn't watch it on Netflix. You got to watch it. You'd yeah, like I, it. Yeah. 
I do have an opinion. Yeah, I think it's a theft. Because didn't the person go to India? He's not even Indian, but he went to India and he was doing some work there. But um, yeah, he just disappeared there and died. I don't know if they mm-hmm. recovered an actual body, but I think he went to India and I think he got a new identity. And I think the greed overtook him and he mm-hmm. just had access to all this crypto and just decided, oh, I'm going to start a new life. Mm-hmm. And I think, and the reason I say that, the reason I say that is because I read just from Google searches that the wallets or the wallet that all that crypto was on, there mm-hmm. was movement. There was movement because with, with the blockchain, this is why I say it's pseudo anonymous. You mm-hmm. can watch a wallet and you can watch its activity, whether it's withdrawing, transferring, depositing, you can actually monitor that. Now, if mm-hmm. the person's dead, how is that possible? So that's why I think there's uh, something fishy going on. I think he stole it's definitely money. sketchy. Yeah, check out the documentary. It was it was really interesting. Like I kind of finished it. I'm like, oh, it's you kind of like there's there's evidence that to, to support that. Okay, maybe he's alive. There's evidence to support maybe he's dead. But it's it's definitely sketchy. The sad thing for me is that like we were talking about earlier is that the people that had the money they're they're going to be lucky if they get a penny on their dollar. You know what I mean? If they because there's a class action lawsuit now, they're lucky if they're going to get you know, uh, anything for what they had on yeah. there. And it's a, it's a lesson that don't keep your stuff on the exchange. It's happened, you know, three or four times already. So as soon as it's, you use it, sad, take it off. Yeah. It's a sad thing because yeah, because they lose obviously, but it hurts the entire industry because those people that got, got burnt, they may reject crypto and never enter again. And if they don't enter again, that hurts market cap. Mm-hmm. So it just means less people. It just means less people in the crypto sphere. Mm-hmm. The, what 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 we want, what we want is we want everyone using crypto. Why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it helps market cap. It grows market mm-hmm. cap. And well, why do we want that? Because it means it means greater valuation for our crypto. Because <laughs> the reason mm-hmm. you're involved in crypto is not so that you could buy product, buy and sell product, which you can. I do. I've used it to purchase services all the time. The reason I get involved in crypto is because I wanna I wanna get rich. <laughs> <laughs> right you want to purchase crypto hold on to it with the hope that oh i hope it you know goes to the moon so i can have a lot of money that's what mm-hmm. everybody's motive is to get involved in crypto and the only way that's going to happen is if market cap grows so that's why it hurts so much when you have an ftx a milk box a quadrica because people that get burnt they may never enter they'll be mm-hmm. shy they're going to be gun shy mm-hmm. i don't want to pull the trigger i don't want to get involved in crypto i got burnt before i lost how many thousands mm-hmm all those it, help, it hurts. You want everybody involved because the more people that get involved in crypto, the the, the more money that you know that we'll make, right? Mm-hmm. If you're holding crypto because it only grows with market cap. That's where mm-hmm. the valuation is why it grows. So you need you need that momentum. You want that tsunami. You want that tsunami of people injecting money in crypto. That's what you want. Mm-hmm. And these centralized exchanges, they heard it. They heard it completely. Yeah, it makes sense. Last question I have for you, and we'll, we'll call it probably a thing because it's good. I think we got a good, some good content. Um, an hour and a half. It's believe it or not, it's been an hour and a half. It goes by fast, you know. When you're having good oh, conversation, okay. it always flows. But uh, <laughs> what do you think? Do you ever think we'll ever find out the identity of, of Satoshi, or he'll ever come forward, or no? He's going to stay anonymous forever. No, I don't think we will ever know who that is, um, ever. Um, and the reason I say that, well. 
Okay, so if you look at the blockchain, if you look at why the, the motive of why Bitcoin was created, it was created mm -hmm. with the intent uh, to be to counter all the monetary spending and shenanigans that were happening. Because if you look and the back government bailouts, right, for the banks. Yes, for the government mm -hmm. bailouts. So we know its intent. It was intent is to counter that because the person who created it was obviously frustrated with all these bailouts and all mm -hmm. this nonsense. And we know this because you can you can research this in Google. There's a screenshot image of it because there was they, they, they mentioned uh, the date um, of one of these bank, like these postings that happened, like I think in mm -hmm. London or something like that. But we know the intent of, BC, of Bitcoin, right? We know the intent mm -hmm. of why it was created. Um, the person that obviously created this created a system that counters the banking system, the traditional legacy banking system. That person will always want to be kept secret because the banks or the central bank is their enemy. So, no, I don't believe Satoshi will always will ever be full identified. There will be people that will claim they are just because mm -hmm. they want notoriety. There's people who have done that in the past. Oh, I'm Satoshi. They just do that because they want notoriety. But they are they actually... 15 seconds of yeah, fame. Yeah, right? they want everybody to give them, you know, they're just flexing. They want everybody to give them respect. Oh, you're amazing. You're Satoshi. Wow, you invented this? Wow, mm -hmm. you're amazing. You're incredible. But it's not. No, that, that person mm -hmm. will never... I don't think that person will ever come forward. I don't believe that. Unless they're really old. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, like I mean, too. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of motivation. If if I, I'd be scared, and I think probably you know this obviously, whoever Satoshi is is obviously not a stupid uh, individual, and they no, know that if they did no. come out, that there would be they'd a be lot of people them. maybe hunting their heads, right, trying to chop they'd their heads like off. A, yeah, they'd be like a Julian Assange or something. Like bank, the banking, yeah. the bankers would want them. Bankers mm -hmm. would want them arrested, right? I would yeah. think that, and not only just arrested and taken, like they would probably want their wallet. <laughs> yeah. right is it so, if he yeah. it says it's it says I, I believe it's if he or he or she or satoshi or he they or she, whoever yeah. right yeah. if they um cashed in their their bitcoin they they would essentially become the richest person in the world yeah yeah that's true i think because yeah. they have they have more than like a it's like a quarter of all the bitcoin or something like that yeah, something ridiculous. So it's yeah, crazy, I don't so. think their identity will ever come out. No, I don't think so. It's interesting. Well, dude, thank you very much, man, for for being a part of the the episode. I think there's a lot of good content people are going to find like really interesting. Uh, if people want to hire you for for uh, rep management, uh, where where can they find you? What's the what's the link? Yeah, if they want to hire me for any consulting or to talk to me um, in regards to uh, digital marketing, SEO, or ORM, which is online reputation management, you can contact me at rephaven.com. Just email me, contact me there. And I'm Jerry. So if you email me there, I'll get your email. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm going to put it in the, in the notes too so people have a link to that. But uh, yeah, man, sure. thank you very much. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to produce, um, produce the podcast and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll share the link with you. So uh, yeah, I appreciate it, man. Sure. Oh, thanks very awesome. much, Rob. And uh, you have yourself a very good day and a, and a very uh, good and prosperous new year. So to, to Thank you, you brother. You as well. Hopefully we can have a we can have a Michelob together soon. It's been a while since I've seen you. So we got to get some Luca okay. pizza and uh, some Michelobs. <laughs> okay, sure. Okay. <laughs> All right, Take brother. Care, thanks so much, thanks man. So Ciao. Much. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening. Uh, please share if you found... Um, 
the info informative. Uh, we're definitely trying to grow, so appreciate everybody that tuned in. Um, we will talk soon, and uh, hopefully we'll be back with another episode uh, very shortly. Thanks, guys. Oh, also, if you want to listen to us on Spotify, um, you can um, check us out there. I will send the link in the uh, show notes. So thanks, guys. See you soon.